0: Hello and welcome to this edition of the ILO's Future of Work podcast. I'm Sophie Fisher. These are uncertain times. Inflation has returned. The shoots of post-COVID recovery are under threat and we're told that the global economy faces its biggest test since the Second World War. To face these problems, we're going to need innovative solutions. One option attracting attention is the so-called social and solidarity economy. In fact, it'll be a subject of a discussion at this year's International Labour Conference in Geneva. The social and solidarity economy is sometimes described as a third sector, neither private or public sector enterprises, but an approach in which economic activities and projects are founded on the principle of solidarity. One of the better known forms of the solidarity economy activity is the cooperative. These are enterprises that are owned, governed, and run by their members. Joining me today is Nadine Muawed. Nadine is co-founder of the Dicken Consumer Cooperative in Beirut, Lebanon. Nadine, welcome to the Future of Work podcast.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks a lot for joining us. Tell me first of all, how did you get interested in co-ops? It's an old model, but it seems to be having a new revival.
1: Mm-hmm. I actually got interested in cooperatives as an alternative to NGO organizing, because I started off in a feminist movement, uh, organizing either informal collectives or formal non-governmental organizations. And we noticed that NGOs kind of fit into the global capitalist order in that you have to rely on external funding. Um, It there's all sorts of labor relations between the owners of the NGO and the staffing and the employees and the volunteering. So it didn't really live up to our goal of reimagining economic alternatives. And so we started exploring the cooperative model as a basis for organizing around 2013. And we had a an active feminist cooperative that pooled resources to have a shared space, shared resources. And that was when we started really this exercise of understanding how people can organize together on an economic basis for their economic interests to achieve a goal that they cannot do individually. And independently as well, that you can make decisions that are not tied to funders or banks or landlords or you know, any of these factors. And that's where we really started to explore the importance of cooperatives in a vast array of understand. I don't think there's a single perfect model of cooperation under this economic order we live in, especially in small, tiny countries like Lebanon. Um, But any attempt to challenge forms of organizing that are oppressive in and of themselves Um, is needed now more than ever, I think.
0: So so tell me, how exactly does Dickin work then?
1: So we've had an economic crisis since 2019, not very unsimilar to most crises that have happened in uh, Greece or Argentina. Um, Our banking sector has collapsed. Um, Food security is a major problem now with the hyperinflation and also with the build of our economy is one where imports everything is imported more or less including our food and so we needed to think of how can we help each other buy food sustainably without or not only relying on aid packages because that's what happened during covid Mm. and with the hyperinflation and the crisis so all of the activist community Sort of went towards uh, these food packages. So we would pack food into boxes and we'd go deliver them to people without a job or unemployed or struggling. Um, And I was part of these efforts, and something about this aid model didn't quite resonate with me. I didn't find that it built actual class solidarity like we wanted to. It didn't solve the problem more sustainably, it kind of was a band aid solution. And so me and a bunch of people who were working in aid at the time decided to try and open a store, a regular grocery store that would provide food at cost price for people. So we would go buy in bulk and folks would pay a membership fee and join the cooperative and be able to buy all of their needs at um, bulk prices, so much cheaper than the market.
0: So you, you, you basically handle food, is that right? And other domestic items, like cleaning products and so forth?
1: Yes, exactly. It's a food cooperative, exactly.
0: And you buy the supplies for the cooperative on, on the commercial market, or do you buy those directly from from individual suppliers, farmers and so forth?
1: Mm. That's, a, that's a really good question, because our whole. Is that we can buy directly from farmers and directly from other cooperatives. The challenges now, infrastructurally in Lebanon, are tremendous, meaning that it's either an electricity crisis or a fuel crisis. Uh, We used to have suppliers that are uh, far away from Beirut, we used to go to, but then with the fuel crisis, those prices became a lot more expensive. There's a lot of new products in the market that are much cheaper, but the quality is not up to standards of the members uh, to deliver from regions like uh, the mountains or villages uh, also is kind of costly so we've been working out uh, custom solutions here and there to be able to achieve this goal but it's the our main challenge is that there is a lack of infrastructure in the country that supports cooperatives that provides connections, logistics operations um, that can compete really with the corruption that happens in the food sector, among supermarkets and traders. Um, it's very hard to be a single cooperative in any space, no? The whole point is that, yeah.
0: yeah. I guess it, it sounds like, I mean, you, you can't, for example, benefit from the economies of scale that supermarkets usually say they can benefit from. So how how do you manage to keep your prices low?
1: Exactly. So we've we've tried our best to keep the prices through getting bulk deals, through working with particular suppliers, through hunting for suppliers, always. Now uh, the folks working at the Dickin have made tremendous effort to hook up uh, with farmers and other co-ops. There's been a lot of initiatives since the start of the crisis, as you can imagine, in this kind of solidarity economy space. And we're getting much better at it. We're getting much better than when we first started because it's been a learning experience. I mean, it's not, hasn't been easy because a lot of the sh- shortcomings we couldn't foresee. But now that we've gone through a lot of these iterations, we've kind of stabilized. It's been about a year and a half now and the model is is doing well but it still needs several years and we've had some visits um, from folks in uh, geneva and paris and london people who run consumer co-ops have uh, passed by and visited beirut they come over and they always tell us it's going to take you three to four years until you can sustain but our goal is to eventually have the membership fees cover uh, the bulk of the operations, while paying fair salaries to people working there, and that's a huge challenge.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you. I mean, what do you pay the people who work in, in the cooperative? Do you pay them the the standard wage for the job, or are you working on volunteers?
1: No, we pay everyone who works there, and we've pri- we've tried to pay because our our currency crisis is that our local currency, the lira, devaluates every other month now we're in a free fall and um, the Lebanese lira has lost a lot of its value at least 20 times its value so we try to keep our payments in dollars to the workers so that they're not affected by what happens in the currency but the bulk of our membership pays in Lebanese lira and so we've asked folks to support us folks who can earn better wages to pay in dollars their membership fees so that it sort of balances out. So the hope that we've got enough people paying in dollars and enough people uh, paying in Lebanese pounds so that it can kind of balance it out.
0: And what, what about to, to your farmers and direct suppliers? Are you paying them in dollars or are you paying them in, in lira? I mean, can you match the um, the prices that they get from the bigger supermarket chains?
1: Um, Matching the supermarket chains is challenging because what the big chains do is that they increase their profit margins on fancy products and decrease their profit margins on the basic necessities. So that's why they can offer bulk prices or discounts or special offers that our size doesn't quite allow us to do. And the the future of where we see this project going is that either we have to open several points of sale, so several similar decades, or we have to try and find suppliers that are that are local, that have good prices, that would also be part of a networking initiative that can be part of a, a cycle of economy where the the benefits are for both of us. But all the Local pricing happens in Lebanese liras, and this is this has also been a major challenge is that the prices change every day almost. So, when we first started, I remember we put in so many hours putting price labels on the food items, and then it would change every day. We'd have to eventually we stopped putting price labels on the items, and this is the case for any grocery, any sort of. Um, business in the country, because of the fluctuation uh, of the Lebanese Lira. Um, so it's an, it's an economic exercise, but it's also a community building exercise. No, The goal is for enough people to have an interest and a stake in this food cooperative, that they can make also um, decisions on how it's run and where its source from, and that there's a collective intelligence that's trying to solve these problems.
0: So, so it's more than your. You see yourself as offering more than simply low prices to people who have very few financial resources. It's more than that, is it?
1: It has to be for sure. I mean, that alone doesn't constitute a cooperative. There's a there's a necessary element of governance, decision making, and collaboration that we was a bit harder for us to get going because we had to understand the business model first, and that took a lot of time. Um, And because of COVID restrictions, it wasn't easy to call for meetings or to visit people or to have uh, collective discussions. But that's also something that we're getting better at uh, gradually now. And we've survived uh, thanks to the help of uh, organizations that work in agriculture or aid or development. We've sourced little amounts of funding because we didn't want to get into the you know, the funding cycle because I think once you get into it, it's very hard for you to get out. Um, but we've sourced a lot of donations, a lot of technical support. Um, there's a, an organization in Lebanon called Mada Association that gave us accounting support, accounting software. Uh, when we started, it was like paper pen kind of thing. Helped us buy a barcode reader, helped us buy, you know, that instrument that measures the weight of groceries. Um, so we, we've been trying to get technical support here and there, but there's still, there's still quite a long way for us to go.
0: Before you're, you're an economically sustainable entity?
1: Yes. And before we have proper decision making systems in place that really engage the members beyond what you mentioned, which is the financial benefit.
0: Do you think, I mean, I can see that um, a cooperative model is a, an attractive proposition, particularly in uh, economies that are fragile or beset by crises uh, f- for whatever reason. But the, in those circumstances, particularly when you have cur- the kind of currency fluctuations that you have described, whereby you're paying out in, in a harder currency and getting money in, in a softer one, I wonder to what extent the model does actually function.
1: Um, well, two points about that. One is I don't I don't see what other choice we have but to try, and I don't see a better vehicle to try than through cooperatives, because what you have now in this uh, situation you've described is a booming of NGOs of aid, um, sort of humanitarian kind of organization, distribution of food, uh, donation based, and that doesn't build solidarity. It doesn't build a future where we come out of this crisis stronger, or with stronger institutions that kind of can sustain Mm. no matter what happens. Because I don't know, Yanni, that today is a very difficult moment in the country. There's lots of strikes happening. I think there's going to be a return to protest, I think. But it's in these difficult circumstances, You have, we have to organize collectively. We have no other choice. We have to sort of depend on each other. We have to make decisions together. It is of no value for people to make individual decisions. How do I manage in this crisis? It has to be, how do we manage in this crisis? but of course of course it's a huge financial challenge and you know you ask questions about what do mm. you what do you compromise how do you how do you make it happen we can see the steps that we need to take we can see how to get there but also it's been emotionally a very difficult period for most of us you know exhaustion uh, frustration uh, Depression. It's. It hasn't hasn't been easy. There's been a massive immigration of folks leaving. It's. Um. It's. A, it's a challenge to like, get through your daily life and also to try and build collectively. But there is no. There is no other option than to do this. Mm.
0: I mean, it is true that what what you say about economies that get a great injection of aid money, that it is often said that that weakens the social structure and the economic structure and drives, indeed, small providers out of business. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that's one of the things that you're, you're trying to, to work against.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly. And there's been, you know, we also had the explosion a year and a half ago now and after that the uh, this is this was the port uh, explosion in beirut and there was a lot of aid that keeps coming in and that's how the people kind of survive no it's the remittances it's the assistances um imf is coming in now and there's going to be yeah undoubtedly a period of austerity and so yeah within these kind of uh uh, Structures. If you keep your relationship with folks around you as sort of a donor and recipient kind of relationship, you are not challenging the economic order at large. You're not. You're not building real solidarity. Because what what does solidarity mean? How do we understand it? It means that folks come together to take a shared risk. To say, okay, I'm gonna put whatever abilities I have on the table and you put whatever abilities you have it doesn't have to match mine and it doesn't have to influence our individual power within this collective we're going to pool our resources and our intelligence and our abilities and our money together and we're going to try and do something where everybody benefits because the model where I benefit from social capital because I go and help people and I post a photo on social media that's also exploitation that's still anti the spirit of cooperatives, mm. do you think it's better
0: at delivering direct grassroots support than than larger and, and different kinds of uh, of operation
1: for sure because it, it builds relationships
0: yeah. yeah, I mean, so your cooperative at the moment basically handles food and domestic products, but there's a lot of talk at the moment about you know changing the economic model. This has actually been going on since the um, uh, the global financial crash more than a decade ago. Um, you, you've talked a lot about the problems that you have with the cooperative, but there's obviously a lot of potential there as well. Do you see it potentially, this model being able to be used in other aspects of the economy, uh, uh, as well as simply domestic products?
1: For sure. And there's been a lot of um, initiatives here. I'll, I'll give a few examples. Uh, The Beirut Hostel, for example, that was a business that kind of uh, stopped running after COVID and a a small bunch of people who've worked in the service industry took it over and now they're running it as a cooperative. Also facing a bunch of challenges, but that's a good example of a business that tried to close that's now a co-op. I'm part of a facilitation cooperative. Um, We've been trying to support also workers cooperatives in the unemployment numbers because they're very high. And also I think we've been turning a lot of attention to the the gig economy because we've noticed also that these corporations come in and sort of overtake any national laws, ministry of labor laws, um, sort of uh, unions. Uh, There was a Big protest yesterday against a, a car driving application, a taxi application by taxi drivers here saying that it's not fair. It puts them at a disadvantage. And so we've also started to think about platform economies and what's going to happen with gig work and then automation. What's going what's gonna to happen to the classical idea of labor rights? Mm. I don't think we can think of... This new uh, surveillance capitalism phase that we're in, in the same terms that we used to think about, you know, more classical capitalism—the way we we understand it. From so, my parents' generation, you know, they got, they worked in the same job for 40, 50 years. They retired. They got pensions. Now in Lebanon, their pensions are worth pennies. My generation, we hop from job to job. All the time, so you spend what like, three to five years in a job, and then you move on to something else for the next generation. It's going to be gig work it's going to be it's not i'm not speculating this is this is what everything points to yeah, so it's going to be gig work it's going to be precarious it's going to be exploitative in new forms facilitated by technological changes. And we have to, our cooperative movement has to sort of live up to this challenge. We have to think about it now.
0: So new new ways of working being supported by other kinds of new economic model. Although in fact, the cooperative system is a very old economic model, but perhaps one should say a reborn economic model.
1: Yes, for sure. And we adapted to how the means of production and the forms of organizing labor relations, these are changing. And so we have to change. I mean, the spirit of cooperatives, the principles, these don't change. No, These are, you know, the, we understand them to be democratic governance and sharing of profit. These are the two main principles. I personally think the other five need a bit of updating because they're 200 years old now. But the spirit of it is that people can work free from exploitation and if the exploitation today is mediated by these Silicon Valley corporations that are built on an invasion of privacy and invasion of rights, how do we think of cooperatives in this era? And I encourage folks to visit uh, the platform.coop, which is a consortium of people today thinking about these questions.
0: Well, that's a great note to leave it on. Nadine Muawad, thank you so much for joining us today and telling us about the cooperative in Lebanon, new forms of economic activity to match new forms of work today. And if you want to find out more about Nadine's work, please visit the podcast webpage on the ILO website. You'll find some links and other information there. So for now, let me wish you all goodbye. Please join us again soon for another edition of the ILO's Future of Work podcast.